afternoon, lovely listener. Here we are again, another beautiful Sunday, and I've got with me a returning guest, Patrick Ferris. Hello. Yeah, there he is. Patrick, you ever go by Pat? Uh, no, not usually. I don't. I mean, there are people... What about are... Rick? <laughs> no, not Rick. There are people that call me Pat a handful, um, but I really go by Patrick. Yeah. Yeah. It's very thorough of you. Yeah, it's a pretty formal... I'm a pretty formal person. Or like, I don't know, like I feel that way. I almost showed up in my button down and yeah. slacks. You got to dress nice for work? I choose to. I don't have oh, to. Whoa. Yeah, I don't have to. Free will. There's something to be said about that. <laughs> There's something to be said about that. Yeah. Also, I have a I have a, uh, a twin brother whose name is Matthew. Right. And he goes by Matt. And Matt is like a very, I mean, he has a, he's, I feel like Matt is a very sort of party guy name. You know, like Matt's the. Sometimes a lot of those one syllable names. Right. Exactly. Like Chad or Jake or, you know, whatever. Like there's. Or like, say you meet a Kevin that only goes by Kev. Yes, that's right. That's a great example. Yeah, a Kevin who goes Kev by Kev. Kev knows how to party. That's right, yeah. Kevin is an accountant. Right. <laughs> exactly. That's exactly right. So I've always felt like Pat was the the wrong name for me. Yeah, um, you're more like of Patrick. a Patrick. Yeah, sure. exactly. So I just felt like I... Also, when I was young, there was a woman in my dad's church that went by Pat. And so there was yeah. one point when someone tried to say Pat, and I was like, I don't know, that's her name, you know. But right, but not in like a not in, you know I don't know. I was yeah real young, but I remember it. But anyway, but yeah, I'm more of a, I feel like more of a Patrick than a Pat. I don't know. I think it's good to go by what you feel like. However, <laughs> do sometimes you, do our you, feelings <laughs> lie to us. <laughs> do you feel like a Micah? Oh uh, yeah, I do. Tell uh, me about much it. more than a Mike. Oh yeah, that's you true. know you know I always misspell Micah. Speaking a lot of people of, do. Speaking of Mike, I you, always do you switch around the H and the A. Yeah, I spell it like the first half of Michael, mm-hmm. which I feel like it should be. Well, no, I know it's not. <laughs> I, I realize it's not, but I always. In when I was in London, yeah, everybody, if they read my name, assumed it was Mika, and mm. then they always, when I told them my name was Micah, they always thought like, oh, like like Mika. Like the singer, you know? So I recently watched um, Friday Night Lights. And there's a woman. The show or the yeah, movie? The, yeah, the show, the TV show. Okay. Yeah. But there's a woman whose name is Mika. Mm. And I was like, what a weird name. I've never heard that name before. But now, I as supposedly, I know a Mika. You. But I'm Micah. No. But- <laughs> <laughs> not anymore. You're not. I, I knew a female Micah in... Um, oh, I've known female Micah. There were two sure. in Oscaloosa. Yeah. Yeah, I've known, I I've known female Micahs. Yeah. It's a great name. Yeah. I like my name. Or maybe your name was Minka. I don't remember. Minka. It was something like that. It was something Sounds that like I a trapper. I was not <laughs> like Minka. <laughs> it was something I was unfamiliar with. Something yeah, that I thought, oh, that's an interesting name. Uh, Patrick, if you could be an expert in any field, which would it be? Oh, I don't know. <laughs> That's that's a tough. I just question. think it's funny because on Oops, I Miss Church, like I don't talk to experts necessarily. You know, I just talk to whoever is willing to speak with me sure, a lot yeah. of times. And most podcasts and things will seek out experts or people in particular fields that can discuss the topics they're so familiar sure, with. You yeah. know, and I was just thinking earlier of like 
I kind of like I like the idea of asking my guests that question to think of if you were an expert or classified or known as an expert in some field, which would it be? Just as a way to kind of explore each guest's particular passions or things that make him feel like they come alive, you know? Because I feel that anybody that's an expert in something received that title because of a passion that exists in them for that particular thing. But at the same time, a lot of the experts, in quotations, that are cited and referenced on modern media, news channels and whatnot, kind of feel like pundits for... Sure, sure, sure. Corporations or, you know... Me, corrupt pundit, governments. Pundit for a corporation. <laughs> you pegged it. Is that what you are? Yeah. <laughs> the exact opposite. Um, if you work is, for a nonprofit, would yeah. you be considered a nonprofiteer? <laughs> this is a good question. Um, I don't know if I have an answer just yet. That's all right. I'm interested in the question, and so I'm. I am. Will be. I. I will come you with. You can an, think about I, it. Yeah, I'm going to think about it, and I will. I will try to answer. On the podcast, I'm gonna um, in, within the next few minutes. Yeah, no rush. Did I ever tell you about the time I was published? I feel Maybe like I you haven't. did. With so the... this is very funny. It, to me, it was very funny because I tried to be published. Right? I was thinking maybe the recording. I think. Oh last no, 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 no. Yeah, no. It was not about. about it's not about that. So, no, I was working for university. I was doing this um, student uh, student outreach, student ministry. I was working with internet. What so? At the time, and I met this woman who was interested in um, the stories of. Um, okay, so back. Oh, I just hit the mic. I'm so sorry. No sweat. Back up. I worked for an organization, and there were very few. Uh, when I came on, you kind of came on in classes. Every year, they would hire a group, and so you'd have sort of a cohort that comes in, right? Okay. All these new hires. At, Instead of hiring throughout the year, like most places hire once a year. In my cohort in Texas, there was one other white male. His name was Peter. Mm. But he moved to Texas from another state. I'm not, I want to say maybe it was Oklahoma, but I feel like that's wrong. Um, So most of the people that I was working with knew me and Peter was new, right? Okay. So Peter constantly got called Patrick. Uh. And he was just, I know, poor guy, like constantly, like just offhand, like, hey, Patrick, is always Peter. Like mm. Peter was constantly getting called Patrick. So fast forward a few years and this woman shows up. She wants, she's interested in international students and I'm um, specifically working with international populations, international, I keep hitting chords. I'm so no sorry. <laughs> and I had, um, I had previously, before working for these university things, I had uh, been in, I worked for a refugee resettlement agency. Oh, wow. And so I was sort of like sharing some of my stories with from my time with the Refugee Resettlement Agency. And she said, you know, this is interesting. I want to, I want, can you write this up for me and we're going to put it in the book. Hmm. Um, and so I said, sure. You know, I, we, we talked back and forth for a few months and I wrote up some stuff and um, it ended up in different chapters of the book. Nice. But every time... I was referenced in the book experientially. Guess what I was called? Peter. Peter. Wow. I was like, I, I was so excited. Like <laughs> something I said is published. Been, something I said has been published in a book, but it wasn't published under my name. It's published That's under so the other guy. That it was mixed up like that. 
Yeah. So you got the, I mean, you both got to experience that yeah. in a way. I mean, I was in the acknowledgments. I think she said Peter to give me some anonymity, you know, like, oh, interesting. you know, make, okay. make it like an anonymous story. She called me Peter, but mm. I just thought it was funny that it just so happened to have such a kind of close to home. Right. Uh, and that Peter had so it. often been called. Yes. Patrick. Yeah, exactly. Right. Yeah. Yeah. So. Oh, that's funny. Do you know what your name means? I, I don't. Oh, we should look it up. <laughs> but okay. you should also read a Leonard Cohen poem. Yeah, I'll read a Leonard Cohen poem. Do you have a preference or you should want me to... No, just open it up. See what open happens. Open it up and see what happens. Ooh. Well, I opened up to one called I Pray for Courage. Oh, I read that last week. Read something else. Okay. <laughs> That's probably why I opened up so quickly because it was like... Right there. Earmarked or something. Right. I'm checking out what the name Patrick means and just okay, filling the well, dead air, but this, you find there's one. A, there's a number of poems that are dated, and so I'm trying to find... Okay, that one says... Oh, you know what? I think it's a set. Ah, and Nobleman. Patrician. Nice. All right, well, I'm going to read the poem. It, it seemed better that way. Let me hear it. I don't know what this is going to be like. It seemed better that way when first I heard him speak. But now it's much too late to turn the other cheek. Sounded like the truth, seemed the better way. Sounded like the truth, but it's not the truth today. I wonder what it was. I wonder what it meant. At first he touched on love, and then he touched on death. I better hold my tongue. I better take my place. Lift this glass of blood and try to say the grace. Wow. How appropriate for Oops, I Missed Church. <laughs> yeah, maybe. And I, I really like Leonard Cohen poems. I I never listened to his music a whole lot, oh, but yeah. I love his writing. Yeah. And the, the foreword in that particular book, The Flame, for those listening... Uh, is written by his son, and he talks about how his dad was just always writing, you mm -hmm. know, or like, and it wasn't like on a fancy computer or notepad or something. He was just writing on anything all the time because right. he just constantly had things going through his mind. And I've, I love the way that he talks about spirituality, in particular, like Christian spirituality, you know, yeah. and the connection to that. Because I don't know. He seemed he seemed almost troubled in a lot of ways, you know, or like burdened by the weight of existence, which I think a lot of artistic people are, mm. maybe more so than others. Just because yeah, I don't know, there's such a paradoxical nature to reality with beauty and pain, you know, where or just like beauty and tragedy where you need one to have the other sort of. Mhm. Mm but yeah. So Thanks I actually really, I actually really love his music. Yeah, you have a favorite song? Um I do have a I don't know if it's a favorite. I I do actually okay, so I'll say yes. I do have a favorite song. There's the first one that comes to mind. Um and for the life of me right now I cannot remember the title. Hmm. Um but It's not you want it darker? No, no. It's, it's not, not Tower of Song? No, it's Those not. Those are the two that were mentioned last week. No, it's <laughs> not. Um um, it's, uh, one second. No worries. It's a song. So the song goes something like he's asking, 
Um, so it's a prayer. Hmm. And it starts out with him saying, um, basically, you know, um, I don't know, sort of like, you know, Lord, can you change me? Hmm. Right. Um, take away this, you know, change. Uh, it may be, I don't remember. Oh, I think it's called Father. Uh, no. Lover, lover, lover. That's the name of it. Okay. Lover, lover, lover. Okay. Because the hook, the chorus is lover, 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 come back to me. Hmm. Um, but the, it starts out with Father. Father, can you change my name? Father, can you change my appearance? Father, can you? These are all these requests. You know, the name that I am using, it's covered up with shame and guilt. And hmm. uh, and I, I want a new name. I want a new... Uh, and And... Then there's a response, so it's sort of this call and response from the singer to uh, to the Father, to the Lord, to you know, um, and he says, you know, it's you that turned away from me, you know, it's you that did these things. Didn't you ask for this? And he mm-hmm. says, but Father, wouldn't you know, if that's true, then then why don't you do these things? And he says, but isn't it this way? Isn't it that you did wow. this? And then the, and then the chorus is, you know, that lover, 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 come back to me. I don't know. Like I, the first time I heard it, I was really struck by it, and I have. Um, yeah, it's a really, really great song. We should listen to it. We will. Yeah, yeah. I'll, you know, come, I'll <laughs> play come, that. Come up in the break. It's the first song um, this week. Yeah, but yeah. It's a, it's a really, it's a really great song. Um, I, I, what do yeah. you think of I, I? Something I love so much about some of the Christian metaphors like the idea of the bridegroom paradigm mm. and then the father picture, you know, of God, the father, where it seems that our, the two most conceivable notions of love for humanity is that of parental love and like love in marriage or romantic love, mm-hmm. you know? And I think it's so beautiful the way Christianity in particular sort of capitalizes on those in the imagery of Jesus as the husband to the church, you know, the church being the bride of Christ, and then also the love of God the Father as a, like, perfect parent. And it may, it just, I think we have so many conceptions of love and what we think it is, and for Christianity to focus on those two in the metaphorical sense and kind of portray the kingdom of heaven through those lenses, it is so wonderful to me because it's just like God sort of reaching out to us saying like, I love you like this, you know, like a perfect parent or Mm. a perfect spouse, you know. And then we as humans try and replicate that or love in that same way, and it's it's sort of impossible as a human, you know. Yeah. But I love the quote or the there's this old French Easter liturgy that says l'amour de Dieu est folie, which means the love of God is folly, mm. which is just this idea of the love of the divine represented through Christ is like foolishness to humans, mm-hmm. you know, because it's so unconditional and filled with grace and never ending. And if we were to love like that as humans, it would seem stupid, you know, like... It, the lover that's yeah. constantly running away or cheating on you or, you know, being unfaithful in some regard. By human standards, it's like, okay, cut them out of your life. 
but by God, you know, it's like foolishness. It's silly sure. almost where it's like, how could you possibly keep loving me? But it's this endless pursuit, you know, and I think it's wonderful. Yeah. Yeah, that's great. I, you know, as you're, as you're talking, a thing that comes to mind is, um, I don't know that on, on some level that idea is imprinted in us. Like, because I think dissatisfaction maybe comes from a missed expectation Hmm. and our expectation is set by something else, right? Um, So the idea that someone would say, oh, well, you know, I had these mistakes, these like, I was disappointed in these ways with my parents because they had an expectation of what a parent should be. Right. You know, or I was disappointed in these ways with my spouse because I had an expectation of what a spouse should be. Mm. But all of those things, I, I, I mean, and I think in some sense, like the innate things, not the, not the sort of like learned over time, you know, like, oh, okay, this is why my parent was this way. And that's right. I actually think that that's okay. You know, or this is, I can, I can empathize with, you know, not those things, but the sort of the innate, uh, sort of the the standard that is somewhat implicit like the standard that's somewhat in us that Mm -hmm. um when we when we initially feel that disappointment before empathy sets in right you know i think it it must be based on something else like it must come there's some kind of internal there's something that is um driving our impulse to say there's a better way or there's a better parent or there's a better love yeah um and maybe that's a selfish thing you know, like maybe there's some, you know, I think on some level there's probably some self, uh, selfishness that's driving that, that says, well, I wish if they were only like this, you know, but, right. um, but I think again that there's, I, I do feel like there's a sort of sense that, I mean, it's the same way, like we know what good is versus bad. Like we know there's right. A, yeah. I mean, that sort of morality that or understanding of morality that we're born into. Right, and that's sort of innate, that's sort of within us, yeah. you know, that we know what it's a like good parent is. Yeah. We know what a good parent looks like. Um, and and often, we, um, me, or I'm not, a, I guess I'm not a parent, but like, I, f- you know, fall short of those things. Right. Right? Um, I have an ideal state. Um, yeah. But I'm I'm not at that ideal state, you know. Yeah. It's hard to imagine being at that ideal state before I'm dead. Oh, absolutely. You know? Yeah, like, absolutely. Like, I, I don't know that those things are... I, I don't know that the ideal state is attainable. Right. Um, it's something it, that you can, like, strive towards and desire. Mm-hmm. But it's... Yeah, it does feel sort of... I That's something, too, I think about with just this, like, innate longing we're all born with. You know, for there has to be sure. something better or something more. Mm-hmm. And that so it just adds so much validity to this idea of heaven or like an eternity with my loving creator because it, it's like there really is no attaining it in this life, but we can try to create it or, you know, or try and like facilitate its presence here mm-hmm. in this life. But even still, it's it's not quite what it's meant to be, you know. Like there is a there is this perfect peace or perfect kingdom that exists. 
that we all long for, whether we know it or not. And then that's the beauty of like remembering death and coming to terms with death and dying to yourself, realizing that, oh yeah, like my true home is eternity. You know, like my, when I become the real purest version of myself is when all things are made right, you know, Mm -hmm. or I'm dead. (laughs) (laughs) Not sound more. You know what I mean? That's, that's okay. I think it, yeah. Um, I, I want, I just, there's a part of me that wants you to repeat everything because I liked it. Uh-huh. I have a question. So how, how do you, you talked about facilitating those things here. What is that? What do you mean? I think it, that's something that's, it comes back to this idea of community and mm. loving your neighbor, you know, or creating environments where people feel safe to further explore this idea of them, their true selves, you mm-hmm. know, and not just how they feel, you know, or like what culture is telling them they are. But when I think true self, I think of like, who am I in the kingdom of heaven or this new Jerusalem, if you will, of mm-hmm. a, the perfect kingdom, you know, and I'm never stressed I'm never impatient. You know, it's like I'm a garden of the fruit of the spirit mm. where these things just come out of me. And I think that's our true selves. Like that's who we were created to be. Mm. And this world tries to keep that away, you know, or tries to create environments where we get caught up in comparison or caught up in competition or, you know, this idea of like thinking we're better than others or worse than others. And, forgetting that no we're all just like here breathing the same air without choice you know like none of us decided to exist but we're thrust into it and then in realizing that being thrust into existence we have a choice to make of whether we want to you know create environments where joy and celebration Mm -hmm. is more attainable or easier to fall into you know Mm -hmm. it's like releasing yourself from this sort of standard or obligation and rather relying on the idea of resting in one's own belovedness Mm -hmm. and creating environments where it's easy for others to do that you know and not to say where you're just like condoning everything and everybody just do whatever you want but looking past that where it's like how can we serve one another you know or like how can we care for one another, even in situations where it might be difficult or like having a hard conversation or something, Yeah, you know, where it really is the more loving thing to do to be, you know, but then to do it with grace and patience rather than like, this is why you're wrong. <laughs> you know, <'Cause laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. I think that that has often plagued the church mm. where th- they've thought, Oh, we need to get all these sinners to repent by making sure yeah. they know they're sinners. You know? I don't even know if it's just plugged the church. Right. You know? Well, I yeah, mean, the, culture in general. Culture, yeah. Yeah. The, um, yeah. But that's something I love so much about music, too. Because yeah. I think music is this sort of glimpse into eternity hmm. where, you know, you can be 
at a concert of a secular okay. band or whatever sure. and still i think experience the presence of god in that and yep. and this sort of weird community that forms or sort of like just significant moment where you're sharing this experience with those around you and it feels just kind of like a glimpse or a stepping into a dipping the toe into this kingdom of heaven you know yeah but it's like all of our efforts are still not quite there you know where mm-hmm. it's never going to be yeah perfect or by any means but i'm with you so i've been thinking about your question oh nice <laughs> our expert today um, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um because i i i really resonate with everything that you're saying um just to like up front nice um thanks <laughs> and i think so when i was when i was younger i i read um so in the introduction to a book, in the introduction to Allen Ginsberg's book, Howl, the mm. first publication of it from City Lights, there's an introduction that's written by uh, William Carlos Williams. And there's a line in it where he says, um, he says, we live in a blind world. Um, I'm paraphrasing, but, you know, we live in a blind world where, you know, blind people live out their blind existence, walking around in blindness. But poets have the eyes of the angels. Hmm. Poets can see. Um, And I think you see the same theme other places. Um, uh, I I think it was George O'Keefe who talks about that what she's really doing is seeing. Um, She's not, you know, she's a painter, but that she's um, really seeing. Um, and, and this is a really common thing. I, I, and I think there's something about um, even what you're saying that resonates in that same plane, right? That there's this, there's this world that we live in, this world of, I don't know, whatever, <laughs> corporations. Right. <laughs> the physical, <laughs> the, tangible. Yeah. And then there's this other thing. Um, you know, I, I um, was working with an artist a few years ago and... Um, she just made a comment that stuck with me. She's talking about this. It basically was like, you know, we were talking about like her and I were together sort of lamenting, like, you know, why are we this way? (laughs) (laughs) And uh, she said, you know, some people um, can touch both the earth and the heavens Hmm. or something like that. You know, she said, again, paraphrasing. Um, And... um, I, I think that's the same idea as William Carlos Williams, right? That like there's this world, this this thing that we're all kind of in. Um, and then there are these people who can see, these people who are touching something else. And I think it's one thing to just be able to touch that thing, right? It's, it's another thing to be able to allow others to touch it as well. To allow right. others to see, or like right. invite them into right, it. invite them into that, right? So it's 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 one thing to be. Uh, there's an artist, a painter named uh, uh, Howard Fenster, who was always called the man of visions. <laughs> um, and like, I think it's one thing to be the man of visions, right? I think it's one thing to be the guy in the crowd who sees, right? 
And I think it's another thing to be able to see and invite others to see. Yeah. Right. Kind of expand the participation. If I could be an expert in that, that's it. Hmm. Like if I, I would, I, that I is it, right. I would want to be an expert in that thing. Like, I don't think that's a, I don't think that's a capitalized job. Like, I don't think it's, (laughs) I don't think it's a thing that's gonna, like, you can't, can't put it in an infomercial, but I think that's the, that's the thing I would want to, like, I, I am really personally have been transformed, been moved by that space. I've been, um, that, those conversations, those comments, I mean, the things that you're saying, they've resonated deeply with me for, you know, decades, two decades, you know, for, uh, for as long as I can remember. Um, that line, I mean, I remember the first time I read Allen Ginsberg, I was young and I remember thinking like, oh man, this is it. Like this guy, and I, the guy who gave it to me said, you're going to like this, uh-huh. you know, for the very reason, you know, he didn't say you can see, but he right. said like, he this noticed is, the, this is going to make sense to you, you know, that knack that you have. And, and I think like I have for most of my life been trying to figure that out. You know, and I, I would I would say that if you were to align all of the things that I've done, it'd probably be in service of that same thing. Yeah. Um, and so whatever facilitating site, maybe that's I would be an expert facilitator of other people's site. I don't mm. know if that's the title. <laughs> but no, like yeah. but that's I think that's the thing that resonates. And so as you're talking and I'm here and I'm, you know, listening to you and I'm thinking about my own life and you know, I think, you know, it would be easy to say like, oh, I want to be an expert in like reflection so that I can see. But I think it's actually not that. Like I think that's, a, I think, a key part of it, you know. But I, I really think it's about this sort of. That I, sort of feels like the first step. Right. Yes, way, exactly. You know, right. Where sure. it's like, yeah, you have to be able to perceive that there's so much more beyond this, you know. But then as you dive deeper into that, you realize it's wrong to do it alone in a way, you know, or oh, it's I feel a, that yeah, absolutely. you need to, and that speaks to the importance of art and creativity and beauty. I feel in this way that it sort of is a doorway into the inexplainable, you know, or it's like you want to yes. see this inexplainable reality and then invite others to participate because so much of it in my mind or the beauty of art and music and creativity is the participation, like the nature of participation that's attached to it, where even just viewing something that someone's painted or reading something that someone's written or listening to something, it's your part, you are participating just by, uh, you know, like consuming it. And then I think that, every single person has this creativity inside of them. And for a lot of people, it just maybe hasn't been woken up, you know, or hasn't maybe been encouraged in a way where sure. I think it's, yeah. Cause I feel that that potential is in all of us, like this creative spark. Yeah. I, I think also, I think also, you know, we have, um, I don't know. We we have we have monetized. I don't think that's the right. right. That's not the word I'm looking for. I get what you mean. But though. we have commodified. That yeah. Maybe that's what I'm looking for. Maybe not monetized, but commodified. What it means, what art means. Yeah. Um, and so, 
that necessarily equates it to production. Mm. And so for someone to say, like, I am or aren't, you know, I am or I'm not um, an artist or, you know, or to even identify themselves in those kinds of ways, it, it, it carries a certain sort of... It's like um, a misunderstanding of value. Well, you know? yeah. I, well, I think, I think there's a... I don't know. This is a really tricky thing to me. I don't know. I have some personal feelings around it. That's <laughs> but okay. But like, I, I do think that everyone is, I, I do think that you're right. Like, I think that the, like everyone's creative. I, I, the thing that comes to, like a thing that comes to my mind right now is, um, I have a friend who's a, who's a priest. Mm-hmm. He used to, uh, used to, well, I don't know if he's a priest now. He's no longer, I mean, he is a priest, take that, but he's no longer like acting in a parish. Okay. Oh, I, I mentioned him to you when I was talking to, yeah. Uh, anyway. Um, yeah, he's no longer like, uh, overseeing a parish, right? Gotcha. He works at a, he works at a uh, Catholic university. Um, but he was, uh, he was in a previous life. Um, he was a curator and, uh, of an art, he and his brother, uh, ran an art gallery. Mm. And, um, so he is, uh, he's a very fascinating person. Um, and I, so that's sort of explaining the the person he he goes over he was in Africa uh, meeting with other priests and his uh and um i think he met he met a young uh a young priest and asked oh you know what do your parents do where are you from you know the kind of standard like you just meet somebody asking his questions and and this guy said his dad was an artist um mm-hmm. and my my friend, the priest, his kind of first inclination was like, oh, what does he do? Where does he show? You know, like the, this sort of standard American under, like conception of right. art. And he, this guy was like, oh, he doesn't sell anything. Like he doesn't, what are you talking, what do you mean? You know, <laughs> yeah. and it's interesting, like he was, comes from a um, an agrarian group. It's a kind of a tribal uh, society, you know, mm-hmm. in, in that village, it like... His dad is plays this role, hmm. and that, you know, it's not the same. That we don't we don't understand it in the same way as we do here. Where, um, yeah. So that's that's the thing we that comes to mind is like that there are other other ways of understanding what it means. Yeah. Um, and, and we've sort of categorized it into something. But anyway, go ahead. Yes. Yeah, well, I think that we yeah we've we've attached so much celebrity to artistry. Sure. You know, where we, like, we've robbed art of its simplicity almost, you know, where I think, like, any form of creation is a sort of form of artistry, whether it's creating something, quote unquote, beautiful or not, you know, where it's just the action of creativity or participating in the creation of something that feels more of what I'm thinking of, you know, not so much this standard understood idea. And that's the thing too, here in the Western world where we, we just love things to be explained and understood, (laughs) you know, we love to check boxes. Yeah. And it's like, okay, it makes sense. Great. You know? And Oh, you're this. Yeah, exactly. Where it's it's interesting because like, I I think, I think, uh, so when you were like 10, you know, maybe not, maybe younger, you, you, th- I'm guessing maybe this is just my personal experience. I knew like five jabs, 
you know, you're like teacher, right. doctor, <laughs> fireman, right? Yeah, yeah, exactly. You're like, you could probably count them on, on maybe two hands. Yeah. But what's fascinating to me is that however much we sort of like brush off the role of the artist, the artist is always in that group, or at least it was for me. Like mm. I understood that that was a role, right? Like even if it was like doctor, you know, the uh, fireman, teacher, you know, what, like the, the basics, I maybe didn't, I didn't, I need to break it up like painter, sculptor, right. you know, like. I just classified them as lazy mixed, hippies. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> there you go. That's right. That's right. Your family is different than mine. Right? <laughs> no, um, but you know, you know what I mean? Like it, yeah. I, I felt like that's still a role. Like it still holds, there's a lot of value in our, in our society for it. Mm-hmm. Um, there's a, there's a very, there's an understanding of it. Um, I think. Yeah. But it's diff- It's like a, it's not. I think for most people, it, it there is sort of a gap between understanding it as a profession like any other, mm. you know, where there does seem to be this thing where like the, the true artists are those who starve, yeah, yeah, but like, <laughs> who do it in spite of making money, yes. you know, like they don't care about the money aspect, right. but they do it for the love of what they're creating and then that's why the good ones end up getting money for it, you know? But then it's like, is that true? Because, I mean, that even feels tough to really specify, you know, what good art is or whatever. Yeah, you know, I don't know. I don't know. Um, Well, I'm glad you say that because I think a lot of people are scared to say, I don't know. Yeah, I don't don't have an answer, you know, as... um, and and maybe it's because I'm pretty I'm pretty hard on myself um, as someone who produces uh, I guess many kinds of creative things. Mm-hmm. Whether that's I mean I was just in a phone conversation with my brother earlier today and he was like, you know, talking about that I write good songs and I like I in my head I'm like that's a joke like I don't write good <laughs> songs you know I don't uh. write good songs um, you know so maybe it's because I'm a little bit hard on myself um, but I. Yeah. But yeah, I, I really don't know. I don't know. I don't know what is like, to me, um, there's just a feel. I can't uh, explain it. Like right. I, I, I know when something's good and I know, and I know when something's not. Right. But is to you? Yeah, but yeah, that you know, might be it's subjective. Like it comes down to it might be subjective opinion a lot of times. Okay, so you want to know a funny story? <laughs> of course. So it's about this like we know when things are good. Um, so a few weeks back, uh, mid August, I was we were playing. Uh, had some family over. My wife's family came over, and um, uh, her her sisters and her sister's children. One of them is an eleven year old boy. Uh huh. Um, I believe he's 11. He either just turned 11 or he just turned 12, but I'm pretty sure he just turned 11. <laughs> Pretty. <laughs> Pretty. Um, and so we're all sitting around in the living room playing catchphrase. Okay. Nice. And, um, you, you know, you press the button and this little phrase comes up and you've got to act it out or whatever. Well, the phrase that came up was, um, who let the dogs out? <laughs> and as soon as it was guessed, no one even, no one even said like, oh, who let the dogs out? You know? Yeah. <laughs> we all said, who? Who, <laughs> you know, even my 11 year old nephew was like singing the song, oh, wow. which clearly came out. If you're, if, if you're listening to this right. and you know the song, you know, it was more than 11 years ago. Yeah. 
and uh, us, we, Jennifer, my wife, and I were kind of laughing about it. And she said, uh, she asked the question, "Do you think he knew that it would be this way? Like, do you think that, like, when he wrote that song, when he wrote that chorus?" Do you yeah. think he knew it would be a catchphrase? Do, do you think he knew that, you know, decades later, 11-year-olds would be singing along? Do you think he knew that it would just never go out of style? Do you, like, that's, there's a question, like, when he wrote this song, did he know? Did he realize what a timeless realize? treasure it would be? Yeah, did he, yes, exactly. Did he, <laughs> national treasure. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> did he realize what it would be? I mean, and I think the answer is, like, do you ever know? Yeah. You know, like, he probably thought it was catchy. Like you probably listen to it like, oh yeah, like that's, this is fun. This is fun. People are going to dig this, you know? Uh, but it could have easily it, been gone in a year. Yeah. It yeah, I mean, did song, have a strangely songs come, wild songs come out. Impact. Songs come out all the time. Thousands. Right. Of songs. Like every day. Every day. <laughs> and some of them stick. Some of them don't. Yeah. You know? Some people are still saying hashtag blessed. And I don't know if that came out before or <laughs> after um, whatever the guy's name is. I can't even think of his name, but I know the song, you know? The hashtag blessed song? Is that oh, a song? It's, not, it's not a song. He says it in the song. Oh my gosh. Oh, I don't know if I know this one. You do know the artist. I can't think of his name. Oh my gosh. Justin Bieber? Nope. Timberlake? Nope. <laughs> hmm, who's another Justin? Nope, it's not a Justin. <laughs> <laughs> it's not a Justin. Um, anyway. I'm not going to think about it. I, don't right. listen, I clearly don't listen to pop music unless it's Taylor Swift. Yeah, all right. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> you know, I kind of like her before she got... Uh, I like. I really did like some of her country stuff a her little country more. stuff's good. I, I, okay, look, I don't... Okay, I'm just going to be... I don't really listen to pop music, but Taylor Swift has really got something happening. Like, <laughs> she, she's really smart and she's good. You know, people give her crap all the time. People make fun of it, like you know. I think Swifties it's funny how whatever how like, but she's she's really, become such a figure of either absolute love or absolute hate. You know, where, yeah, totally. Because I was a I was a big T Swift fan in high school, and I still appreciate a lot of her music. Um, but I I'm not as big of a fan as I formerly was. Sure, sure, sure. I think just because I mean, there's so much music. And I'm always, I, she has made in the last, in the last, you know, I, I, I'm, I, I don't know, 10 years. I don't want to, I feel like that's too long. I don't know. Number of years. She has made albums in multiple genres that still made sense. Right. But like, even her delivery of things is brilliant. Like, she really is, I think, a smart artist. And again, I'm not like, Digging on Taylor Swift all the time. You know why I'm she's not famous? listening to pop music because she's smart. I don't no, know. Kanye West. <laughs> you think that's you think no, that's, uh, I'm just making a joke <laughs> about this song. <laughs> um, but anyway, enough about Taylor Swift. But w- what I'm saying is, um, like, I, I think that, like, who knows, really? Like, who knows what's actually gonna make it? Yeah. You know, like, did did that guy? I don't even know who wrote this song. Who let the dogs out? Or Shaggy. Like he that that song it wasn't me it's like literally still in Hulu commercials. Yeah, that's a that's a classic. Nobody and it's interesting the way I mean who it would really have promotes like adultery. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but like that became popular. Who I still there's a there's a song I think it was a Papa Roach about suicide like literally still in TV shows. Man, 
But it's um, always on the pl- it's always on the radio too. Like it's not the soundtrack. It's like somebody's driving in their truck and they turn on the radio <laughs> and it's that song. How funny of a band name is it, Papa Roach? Uh, seriously, yeah. <laughs> but like I do, so like who knows? Who knows what's gonna actually hit? Right. You what know? sticks and um and so yeah. I mean, but I but I think there's something there. Like I think it's. I don't know. Like, so back to the, I, I would be an expert in that, you know? Um, right. There's a, there's a, a writer. Um, I don't remember their name right now, but they were they're in an interview. They were um, kind of talking about like, so they write a lot about spiritual topics and they write a lot about this kind of stuff. And they're sort of asked why. And he said something along the lines of, you know, um, the person who is attracted to this, thing is a person who desires a life of metaphor Hmm. um and i think that like that really i think it well i know i don't think i that resonated with me for sure but the sense that like that site it is a metaphor because like you said it's it's another world like it's something that we're not seeing it's something that's maybe it doesn't even use the language here but it's something that we feel it's something that's inside of us it's something that resonates in our it through the vibrations of music it's something that resonates when we we read certain words together that inspire something you know today i was texting a friend and he uh was listening you know who travis tritt is so like 90 artist? yeah like from the 90s yeah and he was texting me about like oh man he, this travis tritt song came on and he said this song always gets me and he said <laughs> and he asked the question he's like what do you think it's like to be travis tritt to know every time someone hears his song they cry you know <laughs> and i thought like that's what i like that's what it means you know (laughs) like that's that's such a brilliant like idea like that we're creating these things that are that are moving that are that are um like somehow articulating sight yeah and a lot of times we miss a lot of times we don't we don't hit it you know but then sometimes you do yeah you know and it's it's just like the effort to capture that notion or that uh yep. i don't know it just it, it, i love the inex inexplicable nature yeah, it is. You know? it's inexplicable it's, it's i can't explain it you yeah know? it's something it's like a spiritual compelling yeah. you know or spiritually compelling thing that's in a song or a piece of art or even a movie or, or a poem you know, like, or a movie or right. anything yeah a soundtrack like any of these you know? things yeah uh a- absolutely it's like it's syllable counts. It's, it's, yeah, there's just, there's like just a, something, there's some about sort of emotional weight to it. Absolutely. And I, I want to say this. I said that I, if I could be an expert in that, right, that's what I, but mm-hmm. I also want to clarify that I think um, the kind of broad definition, like how we think of an expert, is um, I think there's, or at least me, maybe the way I think of an expert is someone who produces like expert. like in that space right so it's Mm -hmm. the guy who's you know written a hundred books on the topic right that guy's the expert he's the one that can speak for it i actually am one as a person who's uh really trying to push myself toward process rather than product Mm. um i don't i think i want to redefine expert for myself but maybe if in case in case the uh listening audience (laughs) out there in radio land um, is also defining expert that way. I don't know. Like, I, I, cause I don't know if that's the kind of expert I want to be. Like I, I say, right. I want to be an expert in this thing and seeing, right. Or like whatever, or like, 
right, but if, guiding if others to sight. If your understanding of what an expert is is just someone that has is, all these has the answers like, and is producing the, things yeah. that you can. And I don't. I I think it's about the process, right? I I don't. Mm. I don't want to say like I don't. Um. Man, I I have I have it with me, but it's in my car. But that's okay. But year, years ago, four years ago, I left a job, and um, I had drawn a picture in in my journal, nice. <laughs> and I I wrote on it um, all these years pretending I'd had sight. Hmm. Um, and again, like I, maybe I'm just kind of continuing. I've been thinking about these words forever, you know, but. Maybe not that exact word, but, you know, the idea. Because like I said, like, this is the thing that I think has driven me for decades. Like this, but I feel like there's something about words, like, because there's just something you can't explain. There's just something I can't say. Yeah. There's just, it's, it is inexplicable. It's beyond inexplicable. definition. It's beyond definition. It's yeah. beyond language. And I really think that's why metaphor is important, right? Like the guy I was just saying, the writer who, you know, being an art, writer, artist who's, who said, you know, I want to live a life of metaphor. And, and I, I think the reason, and Christ, Christianity, a religion, they, they utilize metaphor so much. You was talked about it thinking, the bride. Jesus yeah. isn't really a bride. Bride's a metaphor. Right. Right? Like we live in these, we, it's, it's, we're totally, um, well, it's, it's like essential. Yeah, there is exactly like metaphor is essential to understanding the divine mm-hmm. because we and just reality in reality, right? Yeah. And so there's something about like constantly trying to explain or articulate or trying to um, put a put words to something, or and and to make a product of something to yeah. make a sort of tangible articulation of a thing. That I think loses sight. Yeah, it robs um, it of its. It, it, it I, I think that I, and I mean, really, that's why I think music, I think art, I think poetry, I think these kind of like creative things, like they do have a language that is maybe um, I don't know, like more accessible. Yeah. For that, um, but I, I don't know. Anyway, but that's I just want to say, like, because I think I think in my mind, expert is the guy who's on it right and i think in particular like the space i'm saying to you tonight and i guess to the rest of the the um the whole state of iowa the whole state of iowa right (laughs) (laughs) and the rest rest of the the state of iowa is that i I want to be an expert in this space uh it's kind of by nature impossible to be an expert in that space right because it's like you can't kind of in order to be an expert you have to understand that first of all yeah 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 uh, we've been talking for about 50 minutes. So 50? Okay, cool. Let's take a break. Let's take a break. Ladies and gentlemen, don't breather. go anywhere. We'll be right back. Ooh, welcome back, lovely listener. It's the second hour now, and I'm still here with my friend Patrick. Patrick, how are you? I'm doing good. Yeah, you are. Doing all right. <laughs> My uh, my dad used to say, "Just good, not wonderful or fantastic or marvelous uh, or terrific." I usually will say that if somebody says, "All right," I'm doing all or right. okay, or if you can see the eye roll at the cash on the cashier yeah. at H E B, and they're like, "You're not really okay." Yeah, I can tell. It's like, what's, <laughs> what's really what's really going on? Yeah. <laughs> She's like, "Don't ask me right now." There's seven other people yeah. behind you. <laughs> the fact that there's people like you. Yeah. <laughs> uh, 
Well, have you ever worked at a grocery store? I've not. Nope. But sometimes I think it'd be fun. I have a friend who works at a grocery store. Um, or actually, it's my friend's husband who works at a grocery store. Okay. Which I guess I could say he's my friend as well. Yeah. We don't, we're not nearly as connected yeah. as his wife and I. Um, yeah. An H-E-B? Uh, no, he runs at Whole Foods in Alabama. Oh, wow. Yeah. Surprised it hasn't been burnt down. <laughs> Just <kidding. laughs> Yeah, no, he actually, I think there's actually a couple of Whole Foods in his, in his area. He, he lives in, uh, uh, they live in, he and his wife and kids, they live in uh, Huntsville, Alabama. Oh, nice. Which well, I think is... That's like a pretty big city now. I think it's still pretty small. I'm not oh, yeah? 100% sure. I'm not 100% sure of the size, I mean, but... big enough for... But it's big enough. Foods. Like, yeah, yeah, yeah. So NASA's there. Right. Um, and I think, like, per capita, it's the most educated uh, zip code in Alabama. Wow. I think. something. It's, it's like a... It's a lot of... Because, mainly because there's NASA. Right. Astronauts. Yeah, there's a bunch of, you know, rocket science, real rocket scientists. That's one of the other five. You could be like a rocket scientist. You could be like an oh, astronaut. Oh, yeah. You know, careers. <laughs> yeah. Right. The other five careers, yeah. <laughs> Artist, astronaut. Uh, <laughs> I don't know. I wonder, I feel like I, I, I just sort of imagined scientist as a career. Yeah, right, exactly. Little. Yeah, and you don't know what it is. Yeah, it was just right. kind of a... Just a thing. Brought like oh. It's because I saw Dexter's Laboratory. Yeah. And thought, it'd be cool to be a scientist. Oh, that's not the one that was pinky. That's, I'm going to take over the world, that's, right? Yeah, that's... That's another one. I didn't watch those cartoons that much, but I know what you're talking about. I didn't watch a lot because we didn't really have TV, but when I saw them, they impacted me because yes, we yes, didn't yes, have yes, TV, yeah. you know? I did watch a lot of cartoons, just not those. Yeah. I think... I don't know. I don't know well, when Dexter's Laboratory came out, honestly, but I, I think I was older when I started, like, people started watching it, and I was just not that interested. Yeah. I was watching MTV. Was watching oh. It. Yeah. <laughs> cool guy. <laughs> uh, TRL, please. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. Yeah. Uh, would you ever go to space if you had the opportunity? Oh, uh, I don't know. It depends. If, uh, if they requested... For like a million humans to be the colonizers of Mars, would you want to be a part of that? No. Yeah, me neither. I, I, <laughs> yeah, I, I, I like Earth. So. I'm pretty good. I'm pretty good where I'm at. Yeah. I do think that if someone hand selected me and said, I want you specifically, I right. might say okay. To be desired in that way adds a layer well not not just that but because i probably wouldn't sign up like i'm just not you know if it's only a million people there are billions of there's three million in san i mean maybe not three i think it's like 2.5 or six or something like that. right but, i mean there's a lot yeah, of people one million is not that yeah, much it's not that much i grew up in houston which is like easily more than six million people so i'm like i'm probably not going to make the boat so i just might as well not even sign up yeah it's kind of like voting <laughs> you know, it's like does this does me writing my name here really matter and so i probably just wouldn't do it Ugh. but if someone sought me out and said hey we've been looking and we really want you i think i'd consider the it guy yeah. I, mainly because i didn't have to like i didn't have to do the competitive thing right i mean and i'm not that com i mean i'm not competitive in that way i don't even think i yeah so i don't think i would did you play any sports in high school nope huh 
I did in uh, I did it. I did. <laughs> Weird. It's a big surprise, Patrick. <laughs> <laughs> Tell me about it. Tell me. Is that a big surprise? Um, I did in middle school though. Yeah, I tried them all in middle school. Yeah, and realized. Yeah. My, um, I had a, a stepdad who was pretty convinced that if you didn't play sports, you weren't a man. Yeah. And, um, so I did play sports because well, I was a boy. Prove yourself. Yeah, yeah exactly. But, um, but it was bad. Yeah, it was not very good. Yeah. I had these, I had the dreams though, you know, you, the dream of, I mean, I feel like that's with anything, right? You have that, like the dream of stardom. You're going to be, going to be something. But, you know, I was like picking flowers in the outfield, huh. playing baseball, you know? Yeah. I was uh, about the same sort of build. I was shorter because I was, you know, in middle school. Right. I wasn't in my thirties. <laughs> <laughs> um, so I was a little shorter, but relatively the same build. And, um, I did not want to get tackled. Yeah. And I was terrified of getting tackled. Um, I I don't know if they're actually true, but I feel like circling around the locker rooms of every middle school in America is the story of someone's spine breaking. Huh. And I, I was like, that's not going to be me. <laughs> that's for sure. <laughs> oh, that's funny. Like, I'm not going to get tackled. That's not me. And so I thought, what can I do where I, like, I, I understand I have to hit people. Like, that's just a standard. This is football. Right. But what can I do to not be tackled? So I tried out for the line. And for those of you in Radio Land, I'm not a very big person. <laughs> Yeah, and linemen line. are pretty big. Right. It's <laughs> so, supposed to be a wall. <laughs> supposed to be a wall. And so uh, anyway, I, I tried out for the line. Um, I was a center. I was the wow. yeah, first string on the third team. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> makes sense. <laughs> that makes more sense. <laughs> I was when I did football in fourth grade, I Wow, got, that's young. Yeah, my neighbor was obsessed with it. And he was like my first friend in Iowa because he was my neighbor. And this kid loved Joe Montana. Like, I had no idea who Joe Montana was. And he I didn't had, realize Joe Montana was a football player. Yeah, he was a San Francisco 49ers quarterback. Okay. And Sounds like a boxer. I game. liked that his last name was Montana because that's where my parents met. And I was like, oh, I know Montana. But it... Had nothing to do with clearly Joe the wrong Montana. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and so I tried this football team with my neighbor, and I got the position of wing back, which I think is like a fourth grade football make up made up position for the kid that they don't really know what to do with, or yeah. he's like, you don't really want to be here. Because the one time I got the ball, I ran the opposite direction because I was thinking the same thing. Like, I don't want to get tackled. Yeah, you know? right. You're gonna... So I'm going to run away from the men that are running at yeah. me. And by men, I mean fourth boys. Graders. Yeah. yeah, the other fourth graders. But they were still scary. They were scary, know? yeah. I mean, I didn't want to get hit. I was, I'm, I really, I mean, still today, but especially then, I really don't like getting hurt. Yeah. I just, I was terrified of skateboarding. Huh. You know, I was just, I mean, I tried it, but um, I think... I think I got, you know, one of those 
because all my friends were doing it. Like, you know, everybody's... Right, and skateboarding seemed like the coolest. It was the you coolest. Because it was like, oh, oh they don't play sports, but they... My God, there's, there, are so many ways, there are so many ways to read my engagement with sports as sad. <laughs> 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 like, just trying to fit in, just trying yeah. to be like the other kids, you know? I'm going to be a skateboarder. And then I, like, it slipped out from underneath me, and I hit my hip on a curb, and it was like cried and was like I'm never doing that again you know yeah um so many so many like these could be just sad short stories <laughs> you know like just because they were real brief they weren't long not long term but uh, yeah I got real into the Hawkeye football team because my friend was into it nice and I you know was this new weirdo kid from Colorado and had never been in a class with other students. Like, I was homeschooled, you know? Oh, yeah. And so I was just trying to figure out what is cool? What do people like? You know, how do I, how do I Montana. become cool? Yeah. And so I was a huge Hawkeye fan for about a year. <laughs> and then my mom, like, got us tickets to go see a Hawkeye game. And we didn't realize how far away from the stadium we had to park. And so... We parked really far away and then had to walk there, you know. And Iowa City is like famous for, or University of Iowa is pretty famous for being a pretty big party school. And so my mom was like mortified walking me to the stadium and just seeing endless tailgaters, crazy drunk, like just tons of drunk college kids, you know. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And we had front row seats and I, it was fun, but I remembered thinking like, I don't know if I'm into this. I don't know if I like <laughs> sports really. Yeah. But man, I want people to like me. <laughs> yeah. I mean, that was the same. Like, you know? I, I, I really, I just wanted to fit in. Right. I just wanted to have friends. Classic. Classic. Classic middle schooler. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Uh, if you, but I was also in theater, so I wasn't like a real football. That's and when the real I football discovered. Guys yeah. Were like, we don't, we don't do that. We're, right. we're in. I don't know. I don't know what they did, honestly. But I was in theater. I was in theater. I was in drawing class, and I was in choir. Yeah, those were my electives. I did a summer theater camp, and it really did awaken something in me where I was like, "Oh, this is my jam." Yeah, you know, to just be on stage in front of people was like, "Yeah, it's a lot of fun." This is a rush. I don't know. Yeah, I I did like a, a UIL improv. Ah, I love improv. I yeah. did improv in high school and. I had a blast with it. Yeah. I, I So I'm a, I think I mentioned this in the first hour. Ah. In the last hour. Yes, um, yes. Yes, yes, yes. Um, <laughs> I'm a twin. Um, and I I performed improv with another twin. Ah. Not my twin, but a twin. A, another is a... Their name was Kelly and Kyle. Okay. Two, two boys. I performed with Kelly. Nice. Um, so I just thought it was funny. Like two twins. Two but, twins doing improv but we but not with our twins but with right. another yeah anyway separate twins. <laughs> separate twins <laughs> uh, um when was that when did you do improv? oh middle school yeah yeah. Okay. Middle school. yeah so in middle school when i was in i was in football but i was also doing because we had you could take electives and so like i took home economics so like cooking i took it's very art. masculine of you yeah i took art <laughs> uh so it was like drawing and stuff Right. I took um, choir and theater. Those were my electives. Man. Cooking, choir, theater, and drawing. Or, yeah, art. Sound like the perfect wife. No. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's Just probably what kidding. all the other football players thought, too. <laughs> <laughs> oh, 
It's so, yeah, I love the way that... I, I honestly don't know what the other electives were. I know there was Woodshop, and I know oh, there was nice. Band. Yeah. Um, so, like, you could be in band, so you played, you know, drums or right. you know, marching band. Oh, I guess it wasn't marching band because I was high school, but, you know, prerequisite to marching band. Right. There was Woodshop. There was probably, like, auto, maybe. Hmm. I don't actually know. Because in I Houston? Because yeah. you were in the Houston mm-hmm. area, right? Because I didn't take them. I took the other stuff. I took cooking. And <laughs> yeah, good for you. It's good. I remember um, I was, I mean, middle school is such a funny thing. And I feel like I remember so much more from middle school than I do even from high school. Yeah. But I remember we in cooking class, also 9-11 happened. And uh, when I was in, I was actually in my home, home economics class when the videos came on the news. Oh, wow. Um, was, uh, that was my first period after football. So I feel like there's <laughs> a lot of things that were happening in that um, in that time, those few years that yeah. I just really remember. Um, and, I, and I was always, I just was really, I mean, maybe... I don't know, maybe I still am, but I was really self-conscious and like just very aware of myself and other people. Um, Mm. And I think, yeah, so I think I just remember a lot from those those times. Like I I remember that's something about that time of life too, you know, where it's just so formative and there's like, life sort of feels like this endless discovery of who we are, Mm -hmm. you know? And in those early years, especially when you're around other people your age, it's like, I feel we're all just like hyper health, self-conscious, yeah. hyper self-conscious, you know? Well, I feel, I feel like middle school is like the first time you're meeting a bunch of new people too, mm. because elementary school typically, I mean, not the case for you, I guess, because you moved, but for me, I mean, your elementary school is like in your neighborhood typically. right? And so it's, and you're with those same people like from, before you're aware of yourself and others. Yeah. Until the point you're aware of yourself and others, right? But then middle school, you kind of are introduced to this new place. Mm-hmm. All of these new people from all the surrounding elementary schools. Yeah. All these new opportunities and options. And, you know, it just, I feel like that's a, it's a, a lot. I don't know. I've, I got my first punk record uh, CD. Nice. You know, um, I, uh, I joined a band. We were, wow. in a, we were in a punk band. Um, I got kicked out of said band. Ah, oh, shoot. Yeah, it's okay. <laughs> um, that wasn't the, uh, what was the emo band you were in? No, no, this was, this was before emo. <laughs> this was before emo was a thing. You got to start punk. <laughs> face, face for radio. However, right. you know what's funny, though? I, so I got, I still very much remember this. I got in big trouble in middle school in my math class. Huh. Um, because my friend Alex and I, so we were in this band, he had come up with a, with a band name and, um, I didn't like it very much. <laughs> I was just okay. Um, his, uh, his mother was a, a physics teacher at the local, uh, community college huh. and he came up with a band name maybe together. I don't know, but I know he, you know, was, uh, was quantum rush. Whoa. Yeah, Quantum Rush. And um, I didn't like it. <laughs> <laughs> and I came up with a band name, uh, Rainy Day and a Rubber Ducky. <laughs> 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 I 
I kind of thought it had that, like, you know, like, uh, you know, those names that have two things, like, um, I don't know. You just mentioned one earlier, uh, and the, and the something, the sh, sh- like something. Pearl and the oysters. Yeah, right. One. Yeah, yeah, right. Okay. Yes. Yeah, something like that. Yeah. And it was like rainy day and the rubber ducky. Right. And so it was okay. like, I kind of thought like, okay, it's kind of funny. Yeah. It's got this, like, it's, it has that band name feel. Like, I just thought it was, I thought it was clever. What you know? genre would that be? We were like a, like a, you know, middle school pop punk band right. playing Green Day covers, <laughs> you know? Of course. <laughs> Which I felt like Quantum Rush sounds like a, like an alt rock band, you know? Yeah, maybe. <laughs> I don't know. So anyway, I remember like in math class, I was sitting in the back of the class and I wrote on the desk in like heavy lead oh, no. pencil, you know? And I had decided... And that I was going to have people vote, you know, because we had periods, right? So, like, I'm in second period. There are six periods in the day. It's Tuesday. I will be back here in second period on Thursday. <laughs> there are five periods tomorrow. So I can at least get, like, ten people to engage with my... Of yeah, hand <laughs> Yeah, and I'm gonna, I started a poll. And so uh-huh. I said, you know, I wrote on the desk, like, which name's better? Vote. <laughs> you know? <laughs> Quantum Rush. So democratic. Uh, yeah. <laughs> little did I know that it was going to be erased immediately by my uh, by my math teacher, and then I was going to have a sit down conversation with her, uh, in which I was probably next to tears. Like I was so mortified. <laughs> I, I just hate, wanted the people's I, voice. <laughs> I hate. I hated getting in trouble. I hate. Oh, I, me too. I really did not want to be in. I, yeah, I hate getting in trouble. Yeah. And so I was. Did you I ever get mortified. a detention? Oh, one time in middle school, actually, I didn't get detention, but I was being messed with by this guy in my science class. And um, I forget what happened. I think I was drawing in a journal or something and he took it from me and I got really mad. And um, so I kicked him in an inappropriate place. Oh, man. And he was much bigger than me. (laughs) much bigger than me much louder than me also yeah um his his last name was torres and we used to joke that he was built like a bull also like, <laughs> like toro <laughs> <laughs> um, we both got sent to the principal's office however he got detention and the principal called me in and was like oh is you okay well, I'm gonna hold you in here for about five minutes, but I'm but you're fine. I know it was him, <laughs> you know. And I felt so bad, you know. Now I work in education equity. <laughs> um, but yeah, I uh, I I definitely I, that was the only time I got sent to the principal's office. Except there was one at one point uh, in I think it was eighth grade. I worked for the principal. Like there's like a principal's aide wow. was one of the electives you could do. You could just like. It's dumb. You basically have a period. It's like a professional teacher's. Yeah, back. like you just have a you have a period. You have a period, and they like you know. Oh, you need to go to this class and tell them that your mother called, and so you take a little <laughs> note. You go and you knock on the door and tell the teacher, "I'd like to see Jamie," and their te- you know wow. the parents called, and then you go back and you. It's just, not what you know; it's who you know. It's who you know, yeah. Um, Man, yeah, you could do that, or I don't know. I feel like now I'm talking about it. Maybe my, maybe my middle school had tons of stuff. I going think on. you had a lot more electives than most. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> my I, at my middle school, there was like a Spanish elective. Oh, I could do Spanish. Okay. Um, we could do Spanish or German, I think. And I a remember. computer, like computer yeah. construction or whatever cool. elective. And then. I remember one that was like just Sudoku. (laughs) (laughs) You had a whole class for Sudoku? Yeah, I don't know. It was like just a a math elective or something where 
I can't remember. It seemed like all game we theory. did was just play Sudoku. <laughs> That's so fun. Yeah. I do remember, so I'm saying all of these electives, they were probably multiple years, like, you know, like they right, probably progressed, spread right? Yeah. So like, because I also did a computer thing and um, it was right when, I don't know when Photoshop was made, so I'm not going to say right when Photoshop, but I, I feel like Photoshop was new. Yeah. We had just gotten it on the computers and we were able to play around with Photoshop and I started making magazine covers. Nice. I was like making so and it's basically like Rolling Stones, right? Like I'd yeah. grab a picture of Ben Quiller off the offline, off Google, <laughs> you know, um, off Yahoo and or AOL or whatever right. I was using then and you know, put it on and then like write up my little like pieces and I made little pages. And I was making my own little uh, like magazine, uh, uh-huh. like uh, musician, like you know. Yeah. Rolling like an Stone. Editor. Yeah. Um Nice. Yeah. Anyway. Uh, if you ever taught a subject, which one would you prefer to teach, you think? Uh, that's a really good question. Um, I don't know. I think it would either be art or English. Yeah, I feel torn between English and history. Yeah. Although, I think it'd be fun to teach geography. Yeah. I think, I'd, was like I a, think honestly, if I'd be an English teacher. I just think English is so... I could so, see you as an like, English teacher. I think it's so fun. I also, my English teachers were always the ones that I was um, really like drawn to. Yeah, same. Uh, the, the ones that I remember, like this guy named Scott Painter. Oh, I mentioned him in the in the first hour. <laughs> um, he's the guy who gave me the uh, uh, Allen Ginsberg poems. Oh, cool. Scott Painter uh, is a r- real special teacher. Uh, Dave Rundell uh, uh, was another teacher that I was really close to uh, that I, I really loved and. Um, and then my, my, actually my homeroom teacher in high school, uh, was, uh, I don't know what her first name was, Miss Livingston. Hmm. Um, and English she was, English, yeah, she was an English teacher also. Um, yeah. Yeah. I, I, I just felt like, and I, and I think that that was the, that's the kind of, honestly, like that was the thing that was really drawing me most. Um, I, I think I did, uh, like art classes and stuff a lot as a young younger but when i got to when i got to high school um i was mostly doing uh in terms of like being drawn to a creative elective or it was it was going to be english class for sure yeah for me it felt like math was making sense until about eighth grade Mm. and throughout middle school i was like falling more in love with english as far as like words compared to numbers you know and then like once i went to high school i was made much more aware of oh yeah i'm way more of a words guy you know what drew you to words like what was it about i think it it felt more like i liked that there wasn't always an exact answer you know Mm. where in math it's very absolute Hmm. you know and in english or the more like creative fields in that way or as far as like creative writing or i just love the idea too of story and Hmm. making things up and i think a lot of that came from my introduction to theater and stuff and this it was just like this whole new world you know where you could create anything or be anyone by becoming a character you know and that felt so much more in line with English than math, where I think I just, like, growing up, understood the more exact, precise things. And I still enjoy that about sure. mathematics and whatnot, but 
I love the freedom that exists within English more so to kind of, or like the, the beauty of interpretation rather than this is how it is, you know, Mm -hmm. or just kind of expanding beyond certainty to more like, well, it could be this, you know, or you could Mm -hmm. think about it in this way or something, you know, rather than just the exact like yeah interpretation two plus two is four yeah 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 Yeah, i think uh, probably the same you know like interpretation i think um about i don't know like there's i just resonate with it yeah right some things i think i think that's it some things speak to us and some things don't Mm-hmm. You know, and, and sometimes I feel like they come back and they, you know, you're kind of in and out and sometimes they're connected. But um, I really feel like there's just something that I, I, I don't know, like I still feel this way. I mean, when I read books, it, like I'm so attracted to language. It's yeah. funny. I um, so I just uh, so I'm, I'm reading a book right now. So I'll, I'll just mention this. So there's two books. So I'm right now currently reading a like young adult fiction from the 60s or 70s. Hmm. It's from uh, Madeline Lingle. Uh, I'm reading the second book of her uh, Wrinkle in Time series. So I read Wrinkle in Time, and now I'm reading um, A Wind in the Door. Hmm. Um, but they're like young. They're like young adult, right? Yeah. Um, in between those two books. I read two other books. So now I'm mentioning four. I said I was going to say two, but I, now I'm doing four. I'm sorry. But actually, but I just read two other books, right? I read, I read Wrinkle in Time, and then I read another one called uh, Harbert, which was like a Bengali uh, literature. And then I read, um, which was like fantastic. Hmm. Um, and then I'm just, I just finished a book called uh, The Crying of Lot 49, Oh, I think I remember you telling me about that one a little. Oh, I might have. I, I was very excited about this book, right? So and that's, that's the one I meant to talk about, right? Crying of Lot 49 is like all language. It's so good. I mean, there are sentences that take up an entire page. Uh, oh. Crying of Lot 49 is the one where the I was telling you, but maybe before we started the show, where the main character's husband is a radio host. Oh, okay. Um, named, named, his name is... Uh, 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 his name is Macho Moss. Uh-huh. <laughs> um, I think that's right. Or maybe it's Mucho Moss. No, I think it's Macho Moss. Anyway, um, he's not a main character. Edipa Moss is the main character, okay. his wife. Um, anyway, uh, the book is just incredible. Like, the, and it's so, it's funny, like, it's easy for me to read plot-driven books, yeah. right? Like, um, I don't know, just like a plot-driven TV show or a plot-driven movie or something. Like uh, like Michael Crichton, okay? So he, he writes plot-driven books, right? right. Like Jurassic Park. Uh, you know, the characters are there, but it's really about, like, what's going to happen next? Mm-hmm. You know, there's and it's driven by the, the thrust of the book is in that. Um, this book is the exact opposite. You know, the entire time I was reading it, my wife was like, do you know what the book's about? I said, like, you know, I don't know. I think it's about this, but I don't know. But I love it. Yeah, <laughs> you know, because I just—it's so character-driven. It's—it's driven by something totally different, right? It's driven by you know this by the language. It's driven by this, like the 
there's whole passages in that book that I think are out of this world. Yeah. I should have brought that. I should have just been reading for, forget everything I said. I'm just going to read from that book. Next <laughs> time I'm on here, I'm just going to read from this book. Like there's a scene where um, there's a, so there's even this like section, a whole, I don't know, 20, 30 pages or something. It's like a play within the book. Mm. And so there's sort of like the story within the story kind of thing, but it connects to everything else, right? And so like everything either points to this thing or points back to it. It's like such a wild sort of thing. These characters are returning. They're kind of circling around. It's brilliant, okay? But there's a scene where Oedipa uh, approaches the guy who is both directing the play and also plays a, a role in the play and, uh, and, and wrote the script. That, so like it's interpreted from this book that, uh, anyway, I'm not going to give away a lot, but there's a scene where he's talking about, um, where she asks like, you know, about uh, why did you choose to do these things? You know, like, and he said, why are you so concerned about these words, right? These words, like I am mm. the projector. These things have no life but through me. And he wow. kind of has this like two page sort of rant about like language and interpretation and, and art and like the way that not, not art, but like the way, but about sight, the very same stuff we're talking about in the mm. first hour, right? Like how we're, we become so concerned with, uh, finality of language and we become so concerned with articulation and meaning and we forget metaphor we forget that it's human. We forget interpretation. We forget that, like, it's anyway, like we idolize comprehension abs- and certainty. Ab- yeah, exactly. And we we forget uncertain. In, uh, yeah, the kind of indescribable that we mm. mentioned before. You know. Anyway, it's like it's a brilliant, brilliant book. Yeah, I'm gonna read. Even it. even the very last line, I like I. It's incredible. Um, and then I moved into reading this young adult fiction again. And I, like I and but what's funny is like I finished that book, which is super dense and, I mean it's readable, right? I'm not, you know, but it's like yeah. it's like postmodern literature from the '60s. It's not a light afternoon Michael Crichton kind of read, right? Um, and now I'm reading this like young adult fiction, and I feel like I. It took me so much time to actually get going because it just felt so boring to me. Because I'm so much more fascinated in the language of this. Like, there's just something about words. There's something about language. Something about the things that we can do with words. Something about the ways that I don't know. There's just, just floors me. Yeah, you know, it's like endless intrigue. Yeah, I mean, honestly, like that, and that's why I would say English. Honestly, like I think that that would be the coolest. I could see you as an English teacher. It's just so, um, words are just so fascinating. Yeah, I would, I'd love to learn more languages, you know, or like. Why? Love, You're an American. I'm just <laughs> I'd love to even just learn Latin. Yeah, yeah, You yeah, know, yeah. as a way to better understand. Sure. This sort of root language that exists. And because, yeah, man, I, and English in, alone feels so fascinating to me just with how many synonyms and antonyms and different things there are. Oh, sure. The connectedness and the the and way that words can sound the exact same and mean two totally different things, you know? Uh, I just, it's so fascinating to me. I love yeah. it. Yeah. Um, we've already talked for another 30 minutes here, and I don't want to keep you too late. Oh, no, Do I'm you good. have anything you'd like to share from your journals? 
No? no. Do you have any closing thoughts for the lovely listeners of Hoops I Miss Church? <laughs> um, I mean, I don't, I don't know. I think um, that's a that's something that we've come back to a lot. I don't know. And I think that's a good thing to come back to. Yeah. I find too often... It's like the idea of an expert, you know, where we get so caught up in knowing, you know, or being certain about things. And I feel that we forget the importance of the unknown, you know, or the the lack of full understanding. And I appreciate that about you, Patrick, where you're, you seem to dive into that with open arms, unlike a lot of people that are sort of threatened by it or turned off, you know, where if they can't comprehend it, they don't want to embrace it at all, you know? Yeah. And I think you're good at embracing the unknown. Yeah. I, uh, I appreciate that because the unknown is not easy. Um, it's not. I want to know. <laughs> <laughs> right. That's like the... It's just the so, initial drive. Sort yeah, of I mean, yeah, I guess in some sense you're right. That's, that's the reason. <laughs> I mean, that's the reason I am running into the unknown. Um, I'm. Yeah, it's paradoxical, sort of. Where I think it's so good to be curious, but I also think it's good to accept some stuff is not meant to be understood. Yeah. Entirely by you know. Yeah. Yeah, I don't know. That's a. I don't know. That's all right. <laughs> I don't know if it's all right. <laughs> I do. That's something I do. <laughs> yeah. Well, I, it's fun. Yeah, I, man. I love talking to you. Yeah. Uh, Anything the listeners want to say to me? Just kidding. Yeah, you're doing great. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, let's Go ahead, listen. Call in. Let's listen to that song that okay. you recommended. Be a receiver. Yeah, by Benny Hester. Hester, so, yeah. Uh, what yeah. a name, man. <laughs> Ladies name. and gentlemen, thank you so much for joining us. Enjoy this tune from the '70s from Benny Hester. Be a receiver. 